Okay. So, Gudyantif, today is the 13th of Tammuz, and it's anniversary of the previous Rebbe's release from prison. And that year, when the previous Rebbe was released, it was on the Wednesday of Parshas Pinchas. And since today it's also Parshas Pinchas, um, let's understand the connection between the previous Rebbe's life's work, which doesn't actually begin with the story of his redemption. His connection to Parshas Pinchas begins far earlier. The previous Rebbe, his birthday, was on the 12th of Tammuz, which also was connected to Parshas Pinchas. It's around always at the time of Parshas Pinchas. And the previous Rebbe said that most of the events of his life have a connection to Pinchas. There's um, an interesting um, connection between the previous Rebbe's names and Pinchas. First of all, um, Pinchas was the son of Elazar, the Kohen Gadol, who was married to someone who came from the tribe of Yosef. As it says that uh, Elazar married from the daughters of Batiel. Who is Batiel? Batiel is referring to Yosef, Peshpet Yitzray. So, so Pinchas comes from Yosef. And the previous Rebbe's name is Yosef. And also, the word Pinchas is numerically equivalent to the previous Rebbe's second name, Yitzchak. So there's clearly a connection between the previous Rebbe and Pinchas. As he said, most of my events have a connection to, to Pinchas. So, what's the connection? So on the surface, the connection is the idea of kanoos. Kanoos means to be zealous for God's honor. Not just to do things that you're obligated to do, to go beyond your obligation and to be zealous for Hashem's honor. As the Talmud says, that um, when Pinchas uh, killed Zimri, what he did was something that um, was not obligatory according to Torah law. Not only was it not obligatory, but it was more. It was halach of ein meirinke. This is the law, and you are, you don't instruct people who ask this question that they should do what Pinchas did. Halach of ein meirinke means this is the law, but don't say it. And the Gemara Yerushalmi says even more. The Gemara Yerushalmi says that the, that the rabbis, at the time of the story of Pinchas, um, they wanted to excommunicate him. They thought this guy is deserves some kind of uh, pen, some kind of um, response from they the sages. They wanted to absolutely excommunicate him from the Jewish people. But at the, before they did anything, a voice came out from heaven that said, "No, this guy's doing a good thing." And that God promised him and his children to be Kohanim. Pinchas wasn't a Kohen yet, although he came from Elazar, but he was born after. Um, Elazar was uh, was was made to be the Kohen Gadol, to be to be the to be a Kohen, and therefore there was a question whether he should be included or not. It's a subject in itself how he became a Kohen, but the point is that God defended him. God said that what he did was right, and that not only not only is it right, but he deserves this distinction of Kohen in merit of what he did. So let's try to unpack this idea of a law. You can't say it. What does that mean? If it's a law, right? If, if the law is that Zimri deserved to be killed, 
So then why can't you say it? Say it. This is a law and say it. And if it's you're not meant to say it, then why is it the law? In other words, if you're supposed to do it, then why doesn't why isn't the thing that you're told to do? You even go to the rabbi and say, Rabbi, can I do this? And the rabbi says, no, I, he's not going to say, or if you said, can I do it, it's a different question. But if, should I do this? He's not going to tell you that you could, that you um, that you should do this. Actually, Pinchas did go to Moshe Rabbeinu, and he said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu at that time forgot the halacha, he forgot the law, until Pinchas came to him and said, didn't you teach us that, uh, that in this kind of situation, you are supposed to go and kill the guy. Moshe Rabbeinu said, you were the one who read the letter, you should fulfill it. And so Pinchas, Moshe didn't tell him to do it either. He, Pinchas wanted to do it, and therefore Moshe Rabbeinu said, indeed, you remembered something that I forgot. But what does this mean? How could it be the law, be the right thing, and yet it's, 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 it's I mean, the Torah isn't shy from saying things which are, which are controversial. So if it's the law, then say it. If it's not the law, then what are we embarrassed about over here? I heard a story once about the Rebbe that it was Sukkot, and in the early years of the of the of the Rebbe's arrival to um, America, in the time of the previous Rebbe's lifetime, and they were brought some cake to the Sukkah on Sukkot for people to eat before their prayers, and people didn't know at that time. This is something that Hasidim like really do. Like it was more like people did it, but it wasn't like something you should do. And Derby said something to the effect of, "If it's a Hasidic custom, we don't have to be embarrassed about it." And that's what it seems like over here. That we're, we're this is the law, and yet we're sort of embarrassed about it. Like we don't we don't we don't want to say this is the law. A friend of mine he invited this couple. It was Shabbos table. And turns out that one of the, the, the this was a mixed couple. They were married, and um, and his son said a a it was Parshas Pinchas, and his son shared the simple story of Parshas Pinchas. There was a guy who was married to a non-Jew, and Pinchas came and he killed him because you're not allowed to do that. And the guy is like, and, and his father says like he tries to like sort of. Um, uh, protect this guy's and his wife's um, uh, just from 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 wanting to come ever come back again to their home. I'm, I'm sure he, I'm sure they knew that he wasn't against. Whatever. Anyways, but he says, uh, my son, you know there are many interpretations of that verse. Not this one. This means a simple thing. I know what I'm talking about. Anyways, so but what is going on? If it's the law, it should be the law. If it's not the law, it's not the law. But, but it's a law, but don't say. What does that mean? The answer is like this. If you're asking the question, this law is not for you. There's something that is called the wisdom of Hashem, the logic of God, that Hashem, Hashem, logic of Hashem's Torah. Hashem has a code of Jewish law, and there, in His code of Jewish law, according to the logic of Hashem, it says what's right and what's not right, what what is supposed to be, what's not supposed to be. So if you look in that to that code of Jewish law. And you want to know if you're obligated to give your life or not? Look in that book and it tells you you're obligated, not obligated. If you want to know if you if you should do it anyways, even though you're not obligated, you want to go beyond what the law requires and give yourself anyways to Hashem to be keep this mitzvah of sanctifying God's name in a way that's beautiful. You want to do that? So it says so in the Code of Jewish Law when you are obligated, when you're not obligated. 
But then there's something else. It's not that you're trying to fulfill what, it, what Hashem told us through His wisdom. It's more that it's not based on a calculation. In, in this scenario that I just mentioned, your devotion to the point of giving, giving your life to Hashem is based on a cheshman. It's based on some kind of rationale. I'm going to give my life because it makes sense. Because it says so. And it's, it, it, there is an obligation to. It's not because of... of um, there's some kind of rationale of why you're giving your life. It's not beyond rationale. Then there's another kind of sacrifice, another kind of devotion to Hashem. That's com- coming from your soul. As we learned in this past Torah portion that we read yesterday, chukas. Chukas means to be engraved. There's a, there's a kind of relationship with Hashem where every single thing in the Torah to you is like it's engraved in your soul. And just like when letters are engraved on a stone, and the um, you, you can't erase the letters. When letters are engraved or written on a piece of parchment, a piece of, piece of paper, you could erase them. But if letters are engraved in a stone, the only way to erase those letters is to break the stone. And so too it's possible to feel, and regarding every every mitzvah, every part of Torah, that it's that it's you, that's your mitzvah, it's your teaching, it's something that has to do with you. It's not something which which you want to do, not something which you should do, not something which is noble, it's something which is you. But just like to erase the letters of the stone, you have to break the stone, you feel if you're missing a certain mitzvah, you're missing something. It's not that you have to give your life, it's more like you can't see yourself not fulfilling this mitzvah because this is you. There were some chassidim whose children were taken to an orphanage and these children, it was Pesach, and d- during the time of Soviet Russia, they were in, in this orphanage, and they were deliberating amongst themselves about eating the chametz on Pesach, and they decided to themselves they're not going to eat the chametz. Not because they thought they're supposed to give their lives to, rather than eat chametz. It was like, how could we eat chametz on Pesach? You don't eat chametz on Pesach, you can't do it. It wasn't that they decided to give their lives rather than, than, than transgress the prohibition of eating chametz. It's, 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 it was impossible. We can't, it's, it's no such thing as eating chametz on Pesach. In other words, they felt this mitzvah was them. And therefore, it wasn't a calculation, am I obligated, am I not obligated? It's, I can't bear to not do this. Um, I don't think this is, deserves to be said in the same sentence, but just to make this a little, little more contemporary, a little more relevant. I remember one year I was in um, Adelaide, Australia, and it was, Pesach was coming, and we were in this, um, we were trying to buy um, provisions for Pesach, and we had no horseradish. We had the romaine lettuce, we didn't have the horseradish. And I, my whole life, like, you know, Pesach is horseradish. That's what it is. I mean, I see, remember seeing my grandfather, Oliver Shalom, turning red, he didn't try to eat that horseradish, and my uncle's turning, and um, that's what Pesach is. Pesach is the horseradish. And I was like, oh my gosh, God, help me find the horseradish. And Baruch Hashem was, even though it's English, it's Australia, but it, it was there was a little bit of a language barrier between trying to describe what horseradish was to these vendors, and um, and it, it, it was it was the next they weren't open the next day. It was before Passover, and thank Hashem we got the horseradish. So I felt like a part of me was missing something without the horseradish, right? This is me. It's not like I, I'm not obligated to. I don't have. I mean, we tried. I'm missing the horseradish, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so it's possible that a person feels about Judaism, every mitzvah, that this is horseradish. This is, this is his life. This is what he needs. This is his thing. 
I was working in Chabad in Midtown Manhattan, and um, uh, my brother, um, Supran, called me and, uh, hey, I got Yantif. The Frank calls were, were, were revolved around like, um, hi, um, I don't have any um, honey, and for my apple, can I use chocolate syrup and maple syrup instead? And at that time, it was shortly after 9-11, and um, I went to this, um, I'm, I'm just saying I was reminded, I was reminded of that. A few, two years later, a few years later, I went to, um, to a prison over here in Terminal Island in Long Beach, and there was a... Um, there was a um, there was a woman who lived here for many years, and because of the new homeland security um, interests of America to be very careful about the immigrants and stuff, so she ended up after living here for, for decades in the homeland security security prison, and because the homeland security prison was more like a police station, it was like a regular federal or state prison where there's many lo- where the laws are in place for people to know what, what to have their rights. This was, nothing was clear in, in, in the two prisons next to each other. There was a federal prison and the Homeland Security prison. That, that's the way it is in, in, in Terminal Island. What a great, great place for a prison, right? Terminal Island. Yeah. Anyways, so it sounds worse than Alcatraz, Terminal Island. Anyways, so this lady, she wanted to have honey for, for her apple on pa, for, for, for Shoshana. And the, the prison didn't have any, like, like rules and understanding of Jewish traditions because it was like a new kind of prison. And she asked me, can I use maple syrup for my apple instead of the honey? Like, did, she didn't want the maple syrup. She, she didn't need the honey. She wanted to connect to Hashem. She wanted to connect to Hashem. How she connect to Hashem? She knows in Rosh Hashanah you have apple and honey. So that's the meaning of a law that you're not told to do. That you're, you're allowed to give your life for something that you're not told to do. There is the way things are according to the Code of Jewish Law, we are obligated to then there is a connection to Hashem that's called engraved in you. It's part of you. And therefore, it's it's not possible you shouldn't do it. It's just who you are. So when um, when you are in, in that kind of a connection to Hashem, that kind of relationship to Hashem, it's like the, the Alter Rebbe says, a Jew does not want and can't sever his bond with Hashem. Not because you want to, not because you're supposed to. You, you feel this is you. You're, you're losing something. You're losing yourself if you can't do this mitzvah. So if you would ask a rabbi, the rabbi is going to tell you what the wisdom of Torah says. The wisdom of Torah has a limit and has a measurement for, for, for when things override your life when they don't. But this is something which is true, but it's only true in the soul. It's not true in wisdom. Wisdom does not contain this kind of truth. Wisdom does not, does not have a vessel for this kind of truth. This is a truth which is higher than wisdom. That's why it's the law, but don't say it. The fact that a person is coming to ask a question, am I obligated or not, means that not, they're not the kind of guy. It's kind of like the Rebbe said about certain days of the year, if you, say, if you should say the confessionary prayers or not. Certain days of the year, the Rebbe said, officially, you say the confessionary prayer. If you feel so excited and so happy uh, because of the cel- because of the celebration of the day, then you don't need to say the confessionary prayer. But the very fact that Rebbe said that you're asking the question, do I need to say it or not, that shows you don't have that feeling. <laughs> so the fact you're asking, am I obligated to give my life or not, that itself indicates that you're not in that zone. You're not in the zone. And that's why Pinchas did what he did. What does the Torah say? The wise men didn't weren't happy with him. The wise men want to excommunicate him because they're looking at it from the purview of 
the wisdom of Torah. And according to the wisdom of Torah, this was wrong. But then the voice comes out from heaven. And what does the voice come out from heaven and say? This is a kind of, of behavior, a kind of relationship with Hashem, which is beyond wisdom. The kind of connection to Hashem that's, that's, that's higher than Seichel. That's higher than logic. Everything comes from the Torah. Even this kind of behavior, which is beyond the wisdom of Torah, also is revealed through Torah. So that's what Parshas Pinchas is about. It's about a connection to Hashem, which is beyond the wisdom of Torah. That's what the, this, this Torah portion tells us. And so to the previous Rebbe, who uh, Yitzchak, do you know that Pinchas Gematria Yitzchak is gewusst? Yitzchak Gematria Pinchas is gewusst? Nein? Pinchas Gematria Yitzchak. Yeah. So the Rebbe says the whole thing of, of, of the previous Rebbe's connection to Pinchas is hinted to in the fact that Pinchas Gematria Yitzchak. So what, what do we find in the previous Rebbe? The same thing. The previous Rebbe is in Soviet Russia. And if you were to ask logically, should you try to create places for children to study Torah underground? The answer would be, according to the logic of Torah, no. Why no? Number one, how could it work? I mean, the government is looking at you with seven eyes, literally. There was so much surveillance on everyone's behavior then in a crazy way. Big Brother was watching, was a real thing. And uh, number two, the government had various um, things that they were against. The government... The Russian government, or they, as they call the people's government, they were against, um, for example, uh, there being five synagogues in one city. They're, 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 all the property belongs to the government, so it's enough to have one synagogue in the city, and the other four buildings should be used as theaters, or whatever the government decided to appropriate them to. But there wasn't, they weren't against synagogues so much. They weren't against... Um, other matters in that, that of Jewish life so much, and it could be that if, if the previous Rebbe would have focused on those things, they wouldn't have 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 such a fierce opposition. If he would have tried to get like um, uh, mikvahs, or mikvahs was also not such a pop, something they weren't so into. But if there would be the um, there, there is um, there, there was a. Um, There was um, uh, many other areas in Jewish life that uh, the previous year could have focused on that um, that would have been um, a lot more naturally successful. Like, for example, setting up rabbis in different cities, um, having classes for adults. But fo- the, the children were the focus of the Russian government. They don't want it. They, they, there was a clear law. Don't you teach children to... You teach your own children whatever you want, but three children teaching them Torah was the was a crime. It was, was considered a school in Soviet Russia. So the previous Rebbe endangered all of his work, all of his all all the effort that he was doing in Russia for the sake of teaching children Torah. It doesn't make any sense. If you want to accomplish something, then accomplish where, you, where you're likely to be successful. So first of all, it's not likely to be successful, and second of all, it endangers everything you're doing. So. So why did the previous Rebbe do this anyways? Where did it come from? It comes from the essence of the soul. It doesn't come from logic. It's, it's an etzim and a sham. It's from a place where there are no calculations. And that's why, just like, just like Pinchas, people wanted to excommunicate Pinchas, they didn't like what he was doing, so to the previous Rebbe, he um, wasn't um, followed by many rabbis in Soviet Russia who left Russia. They said, okay, there was, there was religious life before, 
Now we need to leave. This is not a place for, for Judaism anymore. And so they left and they, and, and they supplanted their communities or as much as they could from the communities in other cities, in other outside of Russia. And to stay in Russia and to fight the uh, Russian bear didn't make any sense. And and so where was it coming from? It's the same as the idea of Pinchas. It's a, it's a mysterious nefesh which is beyond the code of Jewish law. It's revealed through the code of Jewish law as well. This is the law, just you're not told this is the law. It's something which, if, it's something which you can only connect to if you're, if you're devoted to Hashem beyond logic and reason. And uh, today's Yudim Tamus, we're celebrating the victory of his Mesir's Nefesh. And the Rebbe said that we have to uh, learn a Kalva Chomer. It's a Kalva Chomer. If then in Soviet Russia, where there was such fierce opposition, the previous Rebbe prevailed and miraculously, he was redeemed today in the 13th of Tammuz. So too, in our own lives, to think about the various things that we encounter in our lives, our lives that we are, they're are stopping us from sharing the Torah and teaching Torah. And we have to go beyond ourselves and not to be to be phased by, uh, by opposition. This is especially relevant to things done for the sake of children. Um, shameless plug for our library for children and families and for our school that we made to help children who can't get in other schools. But this is um, this is what it's about. It's about, about making a space, not making calculations, could it work, could it not work? Uh, we should be there. We should be there, we should stay be connected and not make calculations. And uh, today's day of Geula, be a Geula for each of us all, and Geula for all of our Israel and the Geula of Mashiach Tzakein today. Mamish, Chaim. All right, any 